0: Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayers. And we're back with Ayers on the Road. And we are excited as always to talk to you today.
1: Especially excited today, Linda, because we're going to talk about a subject so dear to my heart, happiness, the subject of happiness. How could there be a more big pie in the sky, wonderful subject than that. But we're going to get very specific today.
0: Even though you're not very happy today.
1: No, I'm not because you're leaving me for six days, and I'm trying to get over my depression. But I hope this radio show will pet me out.
0: Really hard on this man, but um, especially because it's our anniversary. We're going to talk about that next week.
1: Can so. you believe she would leave me for our anniversary? Can well, you believe it? It's
0: a, it's a good reason. Our, f- our oldest daughter <laughs> was born on our first anniversary, and it's her 50th birthday. It's incredible we have a 50-year-old.
1: So as you probably guessed, Linda's taken off on this extended birthday party, leaving me home to celebrate our 51st anniversary by myself. I'll probably celebrate it with the NBA, watching from
0: probably. the
1: bubble. And I'll do my best to just get along without her. But now, shifting into this incredible subject of happiness, from a new standpoint, from one that I'll bet you've never experienced before, um, we're going to talk about a book called The Happiness Paradox. And a paradox is something that goes almost completely backward of what you think it will go. And so the subtitle of the first half of this book is the very things we thought would bring us joy actually steal joy away from us. Now if that doesn't intrigue you, nothing will. And Linda, I'm going to preach here for a little while and you just, you know, stop me if I get too far. Um,
0: you are the expert this is a this book is uh, that we're going to be talking about is years in the making
1: Yeah, well even how many well you know we could get well we'll get into it but a lot of years and here's the deal let's just jump right in Linda we think there are three deceivers three attitudes three three things we pursue and we think we're doing it to increase our happiness, and we're actually doing it at the expense of our happiness. And those three things, get ready for this, drum roll. Those three things are control, ownership, and independence. Now, if you're honest with yourself, if we're honest with ourselves, we've spent a lot of time and a lot of thought and a lot of effort pursuing those three things because we believe that they are good things inherently, things that are that make us better people and things that will make us happier. But we wanna to try to change your mind today. Think about them one at a time. First of all, Linda, what's the problem with pursuing control?
0: Well, I do have to say that um, for a young parent, control is really important. <laughs> Well, we We try to teach, by the
1: way, I should say we try to teach, these are things we should try to teach our children, control, ownership, and independence. In other words, you want your children to try to control themselves, you want them to, you know, try to feel ownership or pride in their things, take care of things. And you certainly want them to be more and more independent, so they need you less and less as they grow up. But, what's the problem if we continue... To have those three things that are as our goal. What's the problem with wanting more and more control?
0: Um, uh, control affects other people in negative ways. Um, control is uh, has a connotation of management of managing things, managing people,
1: manipulating,
0: manipulating sometimes uh, things that we have no control over.
1: Well, the bottom line is the the problem with control is it's, it's basically a lie. We, we control so very, very little. So many things are beyond our control. We should of course try to control our tempers. We should try to control, you know, our, our urges, our passions, our desires. We should try to have some control over ourselves. But when it gets beyond ourselves and we're trying to control, Everything.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, other things, other people, then that is the problem.
1: We're trying to get everything done on our list, no matter how it affects other people. We're trying to control whether we have certain things. And we're, we're, just, we're, we're just obsessed, in many ways, with control. And really, the happiest people are those who realize how little they control. and that that control belongs to something much bigger than us, namely to to God.
0: Absolutely. I mean, sometimes we have the false notion that we can control things. I mean, we try to control our lives, we try to control our schedules, and even that uh, we have no control over. We're in the middle of a pandemic right now. We have no control over a whole lot of things. And we've realized that we don't need control over some things we thought were absolutely Absolutely well, important. Well,
1: and the problem is, if, if control becomes our goal, consciously or subconsciously, we're we're endlessly frustrated because we try to control something and it goes a different way. We try to control a child and he, he he's different than we think that he'll be. We try to control a relationship and it goes a different direction. We try to control the traffic and it's crowded and we can't get somewhere. There's constant frustration connected with trying to control things. Now, let me jump ahead a little Linda and say that the basic thesis of this book we're talking about, the basic approach is if you want to get rid of equality, if you want to say, I got to stop trying to control everything, that's kind of a negative. What you have to do is find another attitude, another paradigm, another approach that works better, Then you you substitute it in and it pushes control out and that's how you get rid of it. So we'll come back to that, but let's go to number two, the second deceiver. Ownership. What's the problem with a constant pursuit of ownership?
0: I don't know. You should know because we do own quite a few things now. (laughs) We're, we're, you know, on the other end of of buying and so on, but we have accumulated a lot of stuff.
1: But what is the real point, Linda? We don't actually own them. True. What do you really own? You don't own anything. Now if you're if you're a spiritual person, as most of you are who probably listen to this to this radio station and to this podcast, we really know that God owns everything. But even if you're not a religious person or a spiritual person, when you really think about it, things pass through our hands. We say they're ours, we have deeds, we have titles, we, we claim ownership, but they pass through. They, go, they, they belong to the universe. They, they're not really ours. And if we think of things, if we think of everything in terms of ownership, it puts us in competition with everyone else. If you, if you think of ownership as the trunk of a tree, the attitude of ownership, and people say, Oh, I don't, I don't want very much. I don't, I don't, all, all I want is the land next to mine. <laughs> right. It just goes on and on and on and constant comparing. And the, the problem with it is that the, if that's the trunk of ownership, the limbs that grow on that tree are pride or envy or covet, covetousness or condescension. I own more than you, or I'm better than you. I have a bigger house. I own more. And, and all those things, the, the bottom line problem is that they're a lie. You don't own anything. And once a person gets that through their head, but again, you need another concept to substitute in. You need a new attitude, a new paradigm that pushes this paradigm of ownership right out the door.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think you're saying, you know, if your house burned down tomorrow, you know, it was a wildfire well and you evacuated and your house burned down, that you wouldn't feel bad about losing all your stuff.
1: No, but you'd feel less bad if you hadn't perceived it as something you owned in the first place.
0: I know, but I have been thinking about that lately. I've been thinking, what would I take? What would I take if the fire was coming? You know, what, yeah, what sure. is really... Uh, what do I really own that is really precious to me? And I think that's that's important. Well,
1: to me. you might own your memories, you might own your... Obviously, your... I
0: would take my, my pictures, my genealogy, my memories of my parents, all those things, you know, I would sure. get them out of there, but I just... A lot of things I wouldn't worry about just because we have been thinking for a long time about an alternative to being attached to ownership. And, and we,
1: we promise you in the second half of this podcast today we're going to get the three alternatives to these three deceivers and it's going to push one out and replace it with something better. But let's go to the third one, maybe the biggest deceiver of all, independence. We all think we want independence. We have a declaration of independence. We live in a in a culture where independence is virtually worshipped. But what's the problem with independence? Well,
0: we can't just rely on ourselves. We have to rely on other people, other people who are around us.
1: Absolutely. it Again, you can think about the, the problems of control and of ownership and of independence. You can think of the problems of those three attitudes. But the bottom line is they're false. We are not independent. We are so interdependent on so many people. And the more you love and the more you, you care about someone, the more interdependent you become. And then you trump it all by saying we're all completely dependent on our God, on our Creator. So independence just is not a fact. So, how do you, and again, let me revisit. Too much pursuit of control leads to unhappiness, not to happiness. It leads to frustration and all kinds of, of um, sorrows and and right. angers and so on. Ownership, again, it leads not to happiness. You you all know people who have accumulated all their lives, thinking they'd get they'd get more and more happy, and they actually get more and more unhappy. They become cl- slaves to those things which they mistakenly think they own, and then independence. People constantly trying to be independent. I don't need anyone. I can do it myself. I don't need to be vulnerable. I don't need to depend on anyone. I I just want to be independent. And it it leads to all kinds of unhappiness.
0: It really does. Um, I think those three things are things that we just... We take for granted that they're okay, they're part of life and so on, but there are some things that really can change your mind about the way you think about those words.
1: So I want you to think, before we go to a break, I want you to think about paradigms, because what we're calling these things, they're they're attitudes, but they're also paradigms. They're a way of viewing life. And when you replace a paradigm, something really magical happens. The story we like to tell is the the captain of the great huge oil freighter who's churning through the night in the ocean and and on his radar stream comes another vessel, it's right in his path and he gets on the radio and he says, get out of my way, you are directly in my path. And the voice, the the message comes back, no you get out of my way. And now the, the oil, the captain of this huge mega tanker is angry, he says, you realize I'm a massive mega tanker and I'm headed straight for you? I repeat, get out of my way. And this time when the reply comes back, it changes the paradigm. And the re- reply is, I am the lighthouse. You change course.
0: <laughs> I love that story. <laughs>
1: and so suddenly when we see something new, we see it in a new way, everything changes. And what we want to give you in the second half of the show today is three alternative paradigms, alternative attitudes, one to replace control, one to replace ownership, and one to replace independence. Are you excited, Linda?
0: Um, I'm excited, that I know the answer. So I hope that you <laughs> will hang in there with us because it's going to be really fun to change your paradigm in the second half
1: of the case, show. And in case you think, what does this have to do with parenting or families, it has everything to do with parenting Absolutely. and families. The worst parents are the ones who depend on control, ownership, and independence. You want to teach that to your kids, but you don't want to think that way.
0: So stick with us and we'll be right back.
1: After this brief break.
0: Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Eyer.
1: We're back on ours on the road and we're going to present to you three alternative paradigms to replace the erroneous notions of control, ownership, and independence. And let me say again, there are good aspects to control, ownership, and independence. They're the things you want to teach your children how to live, but as you become an adult, hopefully we can move beyond those paradigms to something a little higher a little more spiritual and a little more true in the eternal sense of things.
0: Well, and a little more relaxing. It takes the pressure off of you when you can flip this paradigm over. In fact, this book is double-sided. Richard yeah. loves to do double-sided books. <laughs> well, I've you've only been done doing two that. like well, this. Well, since we very first started, you have. Uh, no, you've done three. Anyway, Oh okay. um, so, but what Linda's
1: meaning is if you read this book from one side, it's called the happiness paradox and what you're reading about is, is what the, we just fa- the about fallacies yeah. Yeah. of yeah. those control ownership and independence. When you turn it over, there's not a back cover. There's another front cover. And this one's called the happiness paradigm, how a new view can turn things right side up. So are you ready? The alternative to the paradigm of control, which robs us of happiness, is a wonderful word, which I'm sorry to say many of you have heard, but you think it means something, it really doesn't. The alternative to control is serendipity, real serendipity, not the kind that they make movies about or that are defined as dumb luck,
0: or happy accidents. Or
1: happy accidents. True serendipity comes from this wonderful British author named Horace Walpole, son of a prime minister, one day reading a Persian fable called the Three Princes of Serendip," Surendip being the ancient name for what we call Sri Lanka today, the little teardrop-shaped island off the coast of southern India it was called Salon for a lot of years, but originally it was called Zerendip and it was a Persian fable about that island called the Three Princes of Zerendip that Horse Walpole was reading and it was about three princes that went out to seek their fortune. None of them found a fortune, but because they were aware and sensitive and empathetic and sagacious, They all found something better than the thing they were seeking, and that's the key.
0: You have to know that Richard is so adamant about this, and so excited about it, that many years ago, um, 20 maybe, (laughs) we were living in England for the year, and we took a trip to Sri Lanka. Which uh, was really amazing to get the details and to get the feeling of this what this serendipity thing was like. And then we went back to England, where he went every day to the British Library, and and the opened British these Museum. old ancient manuscripts and read
1: the original, the original story. copy of the Three Princes of Serendip, because I wanted to get to the bottom of this marvelous word because the way Walpole defined it. Now, think of this as an alternative to control. Walpole defined serendipity, the word he had created based on this fable that he'd read. He defined it as a state of mind whereby a person, through awareness and sagacity, frequently finds something better than that which he is pursuing. I love that. It doesn't mean you're not pursuing something. It doesn't mean you're a ski bum or a hippie or someone that just sort of wanders around. It means that as you pursue your goals, you're, you keep your awareness at such a high level, the state of mind of awareness that you often find something better than the thing which you were seeking. And that's the key. That's how you replace control. You, you say to yourself essentially, no, I don't control very much. But what I do is I, I try to be so aware and so tuned in, not only with my five senses, but with my spiritual sense, that I notice things that need to be done or that God wants me to do, or the opportunities that come, and I seize on those. I don't control them, I, I accept them. Most great discoveries have been made by serendipity from from Fleming discovering penicillin because he, he was aware enough to notice that mold blew in through the window of the laboratory and, and started killing bacteria on a petri dish and out of that comes the development of antibiotics.
0: Penicillin, um, specifically. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, 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 and Vulcan figured out how to vulcanize rubber, by be watched a stove boil over and when the rubber burned something happened to it, on and on and on and on. Most good business ideas are basically serendipitous That's the adjective form. And what we're saying Linda react to this, that if you, if you want to get rid of this control mentality, this being a control freak, being so frustrated, just don't try to shove it out. Just bring in serendipity and say serendipity is more true. It's more beautiful. It's more fun. It's more powerful. And you get rid of the control because you're, instead of trying to control things, you're trying to see things and understand where you fit in them and find those opportunities to help and to grow and to serve.
0: Well, we just get so occupied with thinking we have to get things done. And we all do that. I do it. You do it. Everybody, we have to. This is my goal. I've got to get it done. And just, I think, the best example of serendipity that you have talked about, honey, is um, one day you were on your way to an important meeting on a freeway and there was an accident and everybody was at a total standstill. And so, at first you were frustrated because it was so important that you'd be there. Then you thought, you know what? It's not the end of the world. Things are going to happen. It's going to work. It's going to work out. You pulled over the side of the road and just laid your head back and the next thing you knew, there was a
1: policeman. I had a nice nap. Door, traffic cleared your out, and it was just that is a classic example of something you can't control. Just just release on those things.
0: Well, the policeman was like, "Are you all right, sir?" <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, right. just taking a nap. But everything had cleared out. He'd called ahead and told him that he couldn't be there, and there was no way. And so everybody was fine. I mean, so often we think that this has to happen this way and if it doesn't, it's going it's to ruin my now, life.
1: Think of that in terms of parenting. Think how many times you've got an agenda, you want to teach the kids something, you want to get them to do something, you want to mold their behavior, and they're just off in their own world and you're frustrated and you can't control them. And you, if, if you substitute an attitude of serendipity, now you're watching for teaching moments you're appreciating the little things about those kids, you're trying to find opportunities that are natural to do things. The same applies to a marriage, if you're trying to control your spouse, oh my goodness, give up right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) as we know so well, but I do think it's easier for grandparents. Yeah. Um, because we can't, we've just had all of our grandchildren with us, not all of them, but many the opportunity many of them.
1: for serendipity. And uh,
0: I have so loved just watching them at a distance, I might say. Um, just watching their characters is so fun. Let's
1: move on. What do, you, what do you think is the paradigm alternative to ownership? This is kind of an, a neat one, kind of an obvious one. Because it just substitutes a truth for a falsehood. The The, the new paradigm, the new alternative is stewardship. Now, ownership is false. We really don't own things. Stewardship is true. God owns things and we are stewards over them. Man, that makes all the difference in the world. Go back to the tree trunk analogy. If the trunk of the tree is stewardship, what are the limbs that grow? Empathy, tolerance, win-win, wanting others to do as well as you do. Humility, saying, I've got more than I can handle here, but I need God's help, I need other people's help. Interdependence, working with other people, win-win, those are all good limbs, and they all grow on that trunk of stewardship.
0: Boy, it's so important. Uh, it's so easy to release on when the kids put, you know, scissors through your new leather couch. Or- <laughs> <laughs> whatever you know it's just so easy to say you know what I mean, no it's not easy it's after you get angry then you just say you know what this is I was just a I don't I just own the couch anyway okay. but, I, but I am
1: the steward over but these I am children the
0: steward. <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> yeah I think that's great now you may have noticed that those first two alternative paradigms serendipity and stewardship both start with S and they both have 11 letters So when we were writing this book and trying to think what should this third alternative be, the one that replaces independence, that was a tough one because we wanted it. I'm a little funny this way. I wanted it to have 11 letters and start with an S. And there were two words that, that were competing. One was synergy, because synergy is like a perfect alternative in many ways to independence because it means, Hey, if we work together, our total is greater than the sum of our parts. It's, it's the opposite of independence. It's mutual working together. It's interdependence. So we like that word, but we also love the words, um, synchronicity, which is kind of a Carl Jung word, which basically means everything's connected, everything, you know, even things you don't think are connected. It's like the butterfly flaps his wings in New York and there's a tiny climate change in Chile or something. Everything's connected. And so we put the two words together, synergy and uh, synchronicity. synchronicity, and came up with synergicity, 11 letters, starts with an starts S, an S you yes. do it. absolutely. And, and it basically means it's the paradigm of interdependence and dependence on God and humility instead of pride and caring and being vulnerable and knowing we need the help of others rather than trying to be independent all the time and stand alone.
0: When you think of um, just what's happened during the pandemic, we realize how much synergicity there is in our lives. Yeah. What we depend on, I mean when those grocery stores and shelves started emptying, uh, trucks couldn't get through, I mean now things have calmed down, but wow, that was, that was scary. It made you realize that we are dependent on so many other things and other people.
1: So to summarize, and we've tried to cram all this into a half an hour, but to summarize the whole thing is we, if we really want to be happiness, if we want to be happier in our own lives, if we want to give more happiness to our families, to our children, to those we love, we need to build our lives and our attitudes every day, and our, our approach to, to, to daily life. We need to build it on true concepts, not on false ones. And control is a good. It, think of control, ownership, and independence as a phase you need to go through. Children need to learn that we need a certain amount of control and a certain amount of independence. But think of that as something you want to pass through and go higher and find this higher paradigm of stewardship, serendipity, and and synergicity. Those three things and uh, try to think about that. This is our challenge to you. Examine yourself, your inner self. Are you too oriented to control, to ownership and independence? If you are, Try to shift gears, Serendipity, Stewardship, Synergicity.
0: And if you want to know more of this book is on uh, Amazon anytime, um, I think it's uh, on sale right now.
1: It is. And, uh, the Happiness Paradox or The Happiness Paradigm.
0: And I think you will find that it makes your life a lot more fun and exciting.
1: Plus it's two books in one.
0: Plus, you get two for you get one. Two for one. Two for one.
1: We sure love talking to you each week on Hires on the Road. And we hope you'll join us next week because we're going to be talking about the most important thing in the world marriage.
0: Absolutely. After 51 years, we got a little advice. So we got a little to
1: say. See you next time on Hires on the Road.
0: Bye bye.